0: Love Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series, the number one podcast for brain injury and concussion resources. I am Amy Zellmer, founder of Faces of TBI.com and your host. Today I will be talking with Donna Masing about chronic pain and stress and negativity bias. If you're enjoying this podcast, please be sure to check out my Patreon page to help support my advocacy work and receive exclusive Patreon-only content, patreon.com slash Zellmer. This episode is brought to you by Integrated Brain Centers. Located in Denver, Colorado, Dr. Shane Stedman and Perry Maynard are experts in functional neurology and treat complex concussion cases from around the country. With over 20 years of combined experience, they are leaders in helping patients who are suffering from post-concussion symptoms, including dizziness, vertigo, headaches, and so much more. For your free consultation, you can find them online at integratedbraincenters.com. Hello, I am Amy Zellmer, and you're listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not be familiar with who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I'm a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Goodman Project, and I am author of Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal, available on Amazon. Additionally, I am editor-in-chief of the Brain Health Magazine, and you can get your free digital subscription at thebrainhealthmagazine.com. You can learn more about me and the podcast at facesoftbi.com, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Velmer, and I invite you to join my private Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe, to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Today, my guest is Donna Masing, and in October of 2016, while on a surfing holiday, Donna fell off a wave and the the tail of her own board collided with her temple. The force of that impact broke bones in her neck and rattled her brain from side to side, resulting in a traumatic brain injury. Upon returning home to Australia, Donna was unable to run her business, a sports massage clinic where she attended to Australia's surfing elite and other professional athletes. She had difficulty speaking, walking, coping with groups of people, bright lights, and had limited thinking capacity and could not focus on anything for a great deal of time. Doctors assured her that it would all pass and soon life would return to normal. However, these things did not pass and in fact, many symptoms got worse. In 2019, Donna was named the Northern Rivers NSW Business Chamber Outstanding Business Leader and went on to be a state finalist. Donna has consulted for international doctors physical therapists, and concussion specialists on how to communicate with their TBI patients. She has presented at medical conferences, been on speaking panels at events, and was featured on the front pages of both the Tweed Daily newspaper and the Tweed Valley Weekly. She is currently writing a book about her experience on the other side of treatment and is starting an innovative new company to help more people get access to the therapy that changed her life. So Donna, welcome to the podcast. Super excited to have you here. I think you are officially Thank the, you, the first guest I have had live from Australia. It's quite early in the morning for you. So I really appreciate you being here today. It is my absolute pleasure to
1: be here, Amy. So good afternoon to you. Good morning to my fellow Australians. <laughs>
0: So, Donna, we got a taste of what happened to you in your bio, um, but I would love for you to go a little deeper and share with us, you know, what happened with the surfing accident and, you know, what did that acute care look like for you?
1: Yeah. So, um, my story begins in a a small country called the Maldives, and I was on a, a boat surfing trip, which is where you... Uh, stay, eat, and sleep on a boat in the middle of the ocean. So it's really not a great place to get a traumatic brain injury. I oh,
0: know. Um,
1: so, <laughs> so when I when I fell off that wave and my board collided with my head, it knocked me out. So I was unconscious under the water, and I have post traumatic amnesia. So I don't actually remember coming to. I don't remember getting my board I don't remember getting back onto it so I don't know how any of those things happened my first memory that I have is that I'm trying to paddle out of the impact zone so that's essentially the place where the waves are breaking and we were surfing off of a deserted island so I was getting washed into shore which was the most dangerous thing that could happen because there was no one on that island that would be able to help me And once I was there, it would be really difficult to get off. So I knew that I had to get out of the impact zone, but it was like, it was like the the connection between my brain and my arms just like wasn't working and I, I couldn't paddle very well. And I recognized that I needed help and I saw another surfer and I tried to call out to her and I couldn't remember her name and I couldn't remember the word like I knew that there was a word that you were supposed to yell out when you needed assistance but I couldn't remember what it was and it was like it was like a little like meow kind of came out was the only thing that I could Mm. describe it as and that was the first point that I think I kind of had the moment of self-realization that I was that I was not well and Then somehow my brain kind of like jambled together and I knew that what I needed was the boat and so I yelled out boat instead of help and she heard that, she turned around, she paddled over to me and she helped me and as it happened as a a stroke of luck, the man who takes us from the main boat to the dinghy had seen the accident and had watched me go down and he had come over and tried to grab me and pull me into the dinghy.
0: So I, f- I find it so interesting how, so right when it happened, you couldn't remember um, have I the got... word. Oh, yep, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I just got back again now. Yeah. Um,
1: sorry, I, could you repeat that? I just got the connection back again.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought you might have dropped for a second there. Um, uh, I find it so interesting that right after your impact, you couldn't remember the word that you were supposed to say for help.
1: Yeah, that's right, and that was one of the ongoing issues that I had, uh, you know, once I returned home and was diagnosed with post-concussion syndrome was an inability to find the right words that I wanted to say, and when I later recovered and got my vocabulary back, I described it as being like a deep chasm, so you want to have a conversation with someone, you know that you want to have that conversation. And you have some idea of what you would like to say, but the building blocks that make up that sentence are not there. And all that mm-hmm. you're looking at is a deep black chasm. It was so frustrating towards the, the tail end of my recovery because I was aware of it, you know? So the, the early days, I kind of wasn't really consciously aware that I was having these difficulties it was just such a it was just such a struggle to do anything so it wasn't in the forefront of my mind but as I started to improve I became more aware of my shortcomings and that became incredibly frustrating and stressful and you know it doesn't take a genius to figure out that that made the word finding issues worse because I was stressed uh-huh. out about it
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so uh, back to your initial question about the acute care So the guys uh, took me back onto the main boat And when I was on the main boat, they realised that I was uh, quite hurt I became stuck um, in a, an odd position where you know one leg was stuck in a very straight um, position And the other one was bent and then one of my arms was bent and the the fist was kind of curled in. I couldn't support the weight of my own head. Um, I couldn't sleep at all at that point. And I, my immediate like my knee jerk reaction was I've broken my neck. And they sort of recognised, okay, Donna needs help. We need to take her to a hospital. So they uh, taped me <laughs> using sports tape uh, to yeah. stand up paddle board. And <laughs> carried me onto a... Got to use what
0: you have. And an, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you do. You do.
1: They were very resourceful, the, the girls. And there's this photo of myself that I'm so glad that I have um, of being taped to that board just before they carried me off onto the dinghy and took me over to the nearest island hospital, um, you know, which was really just a dude in a shack. And that was it, you know, he was sort of looked at me and just kind of went, well, there's nothing I can do for you. <laughs> wow. You know, if you've got a cut, I can stitch that up, but there's uh, there's nothing else I can do. You've just got to go and, and rest. And so that's what I did. They, they took me back to the boat and I found my legs again. I slowly started to be able to make some sounds and speak a little bit, um, you know, and for the first probably day, I kind of thought, look, I'm more or less okay. Yes, I have a concussion, but I'm fine. And give me another 24 hours and I'm going to be sweet. But that's not what happened. It was the opposite. I started getting worse. So eventually they took me to another island um, with, you know, a a, a more qualified doctor, shall I say, and a larger (laughs) facility. And he was the first one. To do a neurological assessment and he said look Donna you are very uh, severely composed and you need an MRI you need a CT scan sorry so he sent me off to the Big Island which is um, Malay where they have the large hospital and their airport and so I went there and had a CT scan and um, you know the doctors were just very much of the opinion that unless we see a ginormous bleed you are absolutely fine uh-huh, yeah. So that's what happened. They they took, I mean, I, I saw how long she looked at my CT scan for, and I'm going to say it was maybe uh, two and a half seconds.
0: Oh, wow. And
1: she just said, uh, you're fine, here's your fit to fly certificate, go home. So the stress of flying home to Australia put me into a state where I no longer knew my own name when I arrived. I didn't know where I was. Um, I didn't know what country I was in. I used to live overseas in Dubai, so I actually thought I was in Dubai. So once I eventually, and I'm like saying two hours later, found my car uh, to get in my car to drive home. I I drove down the wrong side of the road because I thought I was. Wow. In Dubai. I saw the headlights coming towards me, and I thought, oh gosh, um, okay, this is wrong. <laughs> and turn around. And, uh, yeah, I just had to slowly try to piece it together. And I ended up at the nearest hospital to the airport. And I walked into the emergency department and the woman said, uh, how can I help you? And I just I just burst into tears because I didn't have the words to say what I needed to say. Um, the only thing that I knew was that I had my passport. And that my passport had my name in it, and that I had a a, a handful of <laughs> bits of paper from the doctors and the hospitals that I'd been to in the Maldives. And I just slid it all across the table, and the woman just grabbed her little microphone and said, <laughs> You've "Got a cat three in the ED. I need a doctor, please."
0: <laughs> wow! The
1: only time in in any emergency department that I've ever been. <laughs> rushed straight out the back and not be made to wait <laughs> and it was there um at that hospital that they said um you've got a traumatic brain injury and they gave me a sheet of paper that i still have somewhere that says you have a tbi <laughs> and it's all the don'ts it don't do this and don't do that don't cook yeah clean and don't drive. on and they basically they let me stay overnight and then the next morning they came in and they said all right donna you, you can't do any of these things. And they you know, pointed to the list. There's a very long list of things you can't do. Um, but you also can't stay here because we need the bed. And I was about an hour and a half away from where I live. And I was just like, but how do I, how do I get home? <laughs> what, do I, what do I do? And they said, oh, you've just got to call a friend to come and pick you up. And it dawned on me that I didn't know who my friends were. And so I used my phone to go through my latest text messages to try and find out um, who the names were of the people that I spoke to the most. Because I figured if I had friends, surely they'd been texting me. But no one knew that I was injured. So I eventually got onto someone who, who came to pick me up and then, you know, that began this journey of, you know, ins and outs of hospital where they didn't know how to help me or what to do for me. And, um, you know, a a two and a half year journey of essentially getting myself back on track. And there were many highs and lows in that journey. And there were times when they said to me, look, Donna, you're probably not going to get any better. You know, I got the old classic, like we'd reached the year and they said, yeah, 12 months is all the healing that you're going to get.
0: Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Which I know
1: is something very familiar to a lot of listeners out there and let me assure you if you haven't heard it already it's not true
0: yeah yep you this know you happen. you mentioned um how you got this list of things you can't do and i i just had dr joyce michael flynn on the podcast the other day and that's what she talked a lot about was how Everybody kept telling her what she can't do and nobody told her what she should or could do. Um, And you know, that that's really a glaring hole in our medical. I mean, there's a lot of holes in our traditional healthcare system um, with TBI, but that was such a, a, an incredible point. Um, I had not experienced that. I was just basically told there's nothing we can do for you. You have to give it time. And at a year, you know, this is the best you're going to be. Um, but what what did you finally, what finally helped you? Like what, how did you navigate the waters once you were dismissed by the hospital?
1: There were a couple of really important things that happened to me. And the first one was that I got some adequate support. Um, I have some friends in the United States in California whose daughter was a diver and she'd suffered multiple PBIs from hitting the water and they'd gone through this journey already. So they already had a concussion specialist. They had a great, um, you know, chiropractor who did functional neurology. They had homeopaths and they had a hyperbaric chamber. So I actually went to the States and embarked on a healing journey over there. And I would say that out of all of those things, it was probably having you know, medical professionals that were on board with the latest research in hyperbaric um, medicine and functional neurology and being able to utilize those tools for a head injury. So that Mm -hmm. was the first real big thing. I got into a hyperbaric chamber and started doing the exercises. Dr. Michael Allen is his name. He's in Laguna Beach, if anyone's in that area. Um, And he's fantastic. The next thing that changed was, I came home, and because I felt better, I felt more empowered to start searching for practitioners local to me. And I found Dr. Tim Grice, who's located at both Tweed Heads and Southport, and he is a pain specialist. So one of my biggest limiting things was my my headaches and my migraines and the neck pain that I had. So once I was on board with him, he helped me to understand... The link between chronic pain and chronic stress and it was understanding and having the knowledge about how my thoughts and feelings were affecting the physical pain that I was feeling that helped me to gain more control so that I could start turning that around and then it was and then on from that it was learning about the negativity bias and how I could fight that to have you know, a physical impact on the way that I
0: was feeling. And isn't it just profound when you finally find a provider that understands TBI and knows how to help you and has the tools and the resources? It's it's sort of like, I, I felt like it was like amazing, but yet frustrating because it pissed me off so much that... For three years, I struggled and nobody ever referred me to any of these people, right? Because um, they're pretty much all out of network. Um, mm-hmm. You know, here in the US, healthcare doesn't cover most things that actually mm. help us. Um, so it, did you have kind of a similar feeling, like you were ecstatic, but yet frustrated and pissed off? <laughs> absolutely all of those
1: things i was frustrated that my counterparts in australia were not as up to date as the ones in the united states um it's fantastic that we have you know a medicare system here so that we get rebates and i get a lot of my medical care for free which is fantastic but they don't cover things like hyperbaric oxygen therapy um they'll cover Mm -hmm. any medication you want if you go to your doctor and say Mm -hmm. that you want some opioids problem that's fine you know they're basically handing them out like tic-tacs I mean not now yep. they've changed the rules in recent Same, um, months but when I was when I was injured it was like we'll give you all the medication that you want but we're not going to cover you to see the people that are actually making a difference
0: yes yes frustrating yeah. and that's very frustrating
1: yeah but I yeah. was lucky that I had um you know, family. I had my mom who was able to financially support me so that I could do things like go. I mean, that was crazy at, at, at that time for me to think I have no income because I cannot work, but I have the ability to go to the other side of the world and stay with my amazing, <laughs> yes. generous friends who just so often have their own hyperbaric chamber. I mean, who does that happen to? Like, it was yeah such a, a stroke of absolute, I appreciate that there are many, many people who are not that fortunate. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. and that sucks. You know, yeah, the healing that could happen if governments supported these therapies, I think the difference that it would make in people's lives would be profound.
0: Yeah, I think we, you know, would get people back to work sooner and um you know, if you can find these therapies sooner in your recovery and get better and you get back to work and you're not out of your income for as long as, you know, if it took you three, four years to find that um, and, and just, you know, quality of life, right? I know my first three <laughs> years sucked. It was awful. Um, yeah, and it is. It's so unfortunate for the people that don't have any means to get to these providers. Um, Mm. So Donna, let's, let's talk a little bit about negativity bias. Um, Would you like to kind of explain what that term means?
1: For sure. Negativity bias is something that we are all biologically, psychologically geared towards. Every single human loves negative stuff. Um, we have about a three-to-one ratio. It takes three positive events to outweigh one negative one. Yeah. And when you think about it, you know, bad news sells newspapers. A bad news, bad news headline will sell more magazines than a good one. So this is just something that we're geared towards. And it's evolutionary because, you know, back, back in the caveman days, something that was negative could possibly hurt you or or kill you or be detrimental to your survival so the brain took more notice of things that were negative Um, but it's something that has stuck with us so if we continue to have this negative bias and you know an example that I could use is you're having coffee with a friend of yours she says ten nice things about you and one negative comment you're going to hold on to that negative comment. Uh-huh. And you're probably mm-hmm. going to reframe and recategorize the entire image in relation to that one thing that she said about your outfit. And, and you've totally disregarded the 10 positive things that she said. So this is, this is a normal inbuilt thing. But when you have a traumatic brain injury, it can be very difficult for you to automatically override the negative, so I think you need to be very purposeful in trying to combat the negativity bias because it leads down a very slippery slope. Um, you know, yeah. all of this, this negative that we can hold on to. So, I've got a couple of, of little, um, you know, games that I like to play, a couple of little tips. Um, and if we've got the time, Amy, I'd actually really love to do one with you if that's okay. Oh, sure. Amy, I'd like, to you to ref- I'd like you to reflect on a good thing or a positive experience that happened to you today, and it can be anything, whether it's small or large. Okay. Yep.
0: Yeah. Are you okay with sharing that with us? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I had um, just a great meeting with my intern this morning. Fantastic. So why did this good thing happen?
1: Why did you have a good meeting with your intern? Was it because you had set the right tone for the meeting? Was it because your intern is great? Is it because you're good at your job? You know, what was it that made the the good thing happen?
0: Um, Yeah, probably I put a good intent into it and um, just that they're also, you know, super positive. Fantastic.
1: So what does this good thing mean to you what does it mean to you that you had a positive meeting is it that there are potentially positive outcomes that are going to come from the good meeting
0: Mm -hmm. definitely
1: great so what can you do tomorrow to enable more of this good thing is it keeping great lines of communication open with your intern or is there something else that you can do to make sure that this happens again?
0: Uh, definitely communication and giving them good feedback. Yeah. And
1: then what ways did you or others contribute to this good thing happening?
0: Um, I guess I would say, you know, I was part of the conversation, so I contributed. <laughs> yeah,
1: fantastic. So, you know, if you guys are listening to the podcast, feel free to rewind and pause and write those things down because if you can find three things every day, and it could be something as simple as a stranger smiled at me or the lady at my local coffee shop was friendly, it doesn't have to be big things. But if you can reflect on three good things that happen. Ask yourself, why did it happen? What does this good thing mean to me? What can I do tomorrow to enable more of this good thing? And what ways did I or other people contribute to this? All of a sudden, you're left feeling a lot more positive about something that could have been relatively menial that you might have forgotten about in terms of just getting on with your day. So that's a little exercise that I've actually borrowed from your, um, I think it's your Navy Marines, and they call it Hunt for the Good. And it's such a great little way to really try to actively um, combat the negativity bias because mm-hmm. we as people with brain injuries need to put in the hard work. Yes. We can't just automatically, oh well, and brush it off. You, you actually need to do the homework. And that's a really fantastic way to be able to do it because it's practical.
0: And I also think those of us with TBI, uh, you know, we—it's e- like you already said—you know, it's easier um, to be negative than positive, it, and you can take that one negative thing with you and let it fester forever. Um, but we also can kind of obsess over things um, with a TBI, and you know, I just see people get really stuck. In the negativity, and um, it can be really hard to pull yourself out of that, um, so yeah, having yeah. a tool like this to help you come out of it um, yeah it's it's I, I I'm glad you brought this up because i've I've read it numerous different times on how you know it's it's three three to the three to one ratio with negativity versus positivity um And how we can get stuck in that negative, like it's so much easier to get stuck in negative than it is to get stuck in positive. Right. Um, And, and obviously positivity has a much more profound effect on our life. Um, So thank you for sharing that.
1: No problem. Yeah, it absolutely does. And, you know, it has a a real effect on the pain cycle as well. If you can break through the stress cycle by doing something, like distracting yourself with a positive exercise, then that is going to help to lower your blood pressure and your heart rate. And that means that your whole nervous system is going to switch from being the sympathetic, which is the fight or flight, right, the one that's really agitated and ready to go, over to rest and digest, the parasympathetic, where everything calms down and blood flow goes back to the frontal lobe of the brain, which is where conscious thinking happens and away from the amygdala, that little alarm bell of the brain. So these exercises, they might sound a bit trite, but they have really real impacts on Mm -hmm. breaking out of that cycle that you think about of being stuck in negativity. And it is that three-to-one ratio. So think of those three good things every day. Um, And then it also helps to actually break us out of our pain
0: cycles. Mm, I love it. So, Donna, we are just about out of time, and I would love to wrap up by asking you, you know, what are your final words of wisdom for our listeners today? What, What is something, a key takeaway that you would like people listening who are, you know, maybe still in the early part of their journey and haven't found the right care yet? Um, what is it that you would like them to take away today? There's two things.
1: I would like you to find your voice. So Mm -hmm. if someone says something to you that doesn't sit right with you or you don't agree, speak up. And if they're not the right practitioner for you, don't stop searching until you find the right one because the right one is out there, all right? And just because someone was great for you doesn't necessarily mean that they're great for you. So don't stop searching and find your voice. And the other bit of advice, um, and this is really opening a can of worms, so I'm going to leave it to your listeners to do a bit of Google search. This guy's name is Doctor, uh, Professor Lorimer-Mamosley, and he is a neuroscientist from Australia, and he has a website called tamedhebeast.org, and he talks about uh, persistent pain, and here's the, here's the greatest takeaway, the most important thing that I learned. Pain is not an accurate indicator of tissue health. And that sounds really crazy. So have a Google of that, guys.
0: Mm, no, it's so true. Because, um, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a yoga instructor. And so we've been taught, you know, because often they're like, if it starts to hurt, back off or whatever. And it's like people don't, one, people don't always feel pain. Like it, pain isn't mm-hmm. always the first indicator, and you can be hurting yourself without pain. And secondly, pain can be coming from other places, not where you feel it. So, mm, what was it? Was tame the, the beast? Thing, <laughs> what tame
1: the beast dot uh, tame, tame the beast dot org is the website. But here's the crazy thing, Amy: pain 100% of the time, without any exception, always happens in your brain.
0: Yep 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 so that sounds because you're like
1: um if i get stabbed in the side i'm pretty sure the pain's coming from my side no even then it's still coming from your brain your brain is utilizing a lot of different things to try and make a decision about whether or not to elicit pain so you know this is how people can you know lift cars off their stuck children and and do amazing things when they're in life or death situations because it's it's your brain so once you start to unlock these ideas and start to understand that just because you have neck pain doesn't necessarily mean that there's serious pathology there and you break yes. the pain, the pain stress cycle, you can actually start to embark on a real journey of healing and yoga is fantastic. So I highly recommend it.
0: <laughs> oh yes. A good can of worms that you are leaving our listeners with. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um so donna anyone that would like to get in touch with you you are at global and i do have a clickable link in the show notes so anyone um, that wants to find out more about you and what you do they can find that in the show notes um, and what is your instagram name
1: we are at Global Performance Therapy uh, for the business, and
0: then I have one for the
1: book that I'm trying to finish, which is um, Brain Underscore Wave Underscore Book.
0: Perfect. Well, Donna, thank you so very much for being here. I appreciate you getting up bright and early to be with us here in the U.S. Um, and just thank you so much for sharing today.
1: Thank you, Amy, for having me. I'm sorry about the connection issues and I hope that the messages have come across to all your listeners.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yes. Thank you so much, Donna. And thank you everyone for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. Um, Again, you can find Donna's link in the show notes. And just another thank you to our sponsor, Integrated Brain Centers. You can find them online at IntegratedBrainCenters.com. And you can find previous podcast episodes on most streaming platforms, such as iTunes, or directly at FacesOfTBI.com. And you can help support the podcast for just $5 a month through my Patreon, patreon.com slash Also, be sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer and join me in Amy's TBI Tribe on Facebook. Thank you all for listening and thank you for being a part of my journey. Have a great day, everyone, and I'll see you in the next episode.